Are y'all ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go to Philadelphia. Whoa. Billy in the house. Billy. Two, one, five, stand up. We are doing this. Well, it is September. And those of you who have been with us from the beginning know September is Paul Newman Appreciation Month. So we watched one that I had never seen before, and I don't think Aaron had ever seen before. A young Paul Newman, 1959, The Young Philadelphians. And my first ever Paul Newman movie. Wow. We are waiting. I don't think I didn't hear all of the trash talk that you guys were doing on me in the last episode, thinking I wasn't going to listen. Trash talk? What trash there was talk no we trash talk. Well, she's kicked out of the family if she doesn't think Paul <laughs> Newman is sexy enough. Now, I don't remember anybody. I'd say that to that. your face. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is about a lawyer from the wrong side of the tracks who tries to break into society. And so much more. So much happened in this movie. There was a lot. Well, here's a two-hour, what, 17? It really just kept going. Kept going. And I enjoyed it, but there was one point where I was like, oh, wow, got to be getting close to the end of this, and there were still 45 minutes left. Same That's about here. the same time I did it. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be a separate movie. Yeah. Same it, here. A lot happened. But it's young Paul Newman. It was young Paul yeah. Newman. It was black and white Paul Newman, which is uh, nothing wrong with that. Okay, Aaron. Sorry, the particulars. All right. Yeah. The Young Philadelphians, it was released May 30th, 1959, directed by Vincent Sherman, who also did The Return of Dr. X, The Adventures of Don Juan, Goodbye, Mr. Fancy, Nerd Alert. He started out as a Broadway actor and then transitioned and by the mid 40s he was known as quote a woman's director and he had was reported to have i mean like he, <laughs> not not 2020 okay. transitioned he like you know white man <laughs> transitioned i'm an actor now i'm a director it was very fast for him as so often sometimes is the case not always just saying um, but then he was became known as a woman's director by the mid forties. He's rumored to have had onset affairs with Betty Davis and relationships with Joan Crawford and Rita Hayworth. They were well, he they likes were, strong women. Yeah, they were in his movies and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Produced and the screenplay was written by James Gunn, who also did Affair in Trinidad. The Unlawful, Overexposed, the television series 77, Sunset Strip. Sunset Strip. And I'm way too young, even though I'm old, to know the theme song for 77, Sunset Strip. How do you know that? It's one of those weird things that I just watched a lot of different kinds of media like when we were in Germany, the TV was just on. So whatever was on the TV, like I picked up. And so I watched a lot of AFN weird documentaries about the 50s and 
Maybe somebody who was in it probably died on Entertainment Tonight. They were like, oh, he was in 77 Sunset Strip. And it stuck. Yeah. Oh. AFN, for those of you who don't know, is the Armed Forces Network. Yeah. The only thing we could see. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, when, or ever heard of the show. When we were in <laughs> Germany, we didn't have cable. There wasn't satellite. There was no such thing as the internet. Your television... Right. If you didn't speak German, it was one channel in English called AFN. And you know what? Thinking about it, though, we probably could have gotten the BBC because it's not like we were super far away. But apparently in the 90s, that technology did not exist. Um, can you? Anyways, just the British procedurals we missed out on. Yeah. It's based on the novel, The Philadelphian, which is a 1956 novel by Richard P. Powell. It was his major publishing debut. He was, Richard Powell was on General MacArthur's staff in World War II. This became a bestseller. Uh, He also did the novels The Build-Up Boys under the pen name Jeremy Kirk that was made into the film, the 1961 film Madison Avenue. And he wrote Pioneer Go Home with an exclamation point, which was a 1962 film Follow That Dream, starring Elvis Presley. The music is by Ernest Gold. He also did Exodus, The Defiant Ones, Inherent the Wind, Judgment at Nuremberg, and It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. The director of photography, ah. mm-hmm. the director of photography was Harry Stradling. He also did Jamaica Inn, Suspicion, Easter Parade, A Streetcar Named Desire, A Face in the Crowd, my Fair Lady, Funny Girl, and Hello Dolly, to name a few. Damn. I just am reading a book where Jamaica Inn is mentioned prominently. Are you yes. reading the Maureen, herself. Maureen O'Hara? It is herself. It's herself. Edited by William H. Ziegler. He also cut The Music Man, My Fair Lady, and Strangers on a Train. Mm-hmm. Starring... Paul Newman, a 34, about 34-year-old Paul Newman, give or take a year. You're welcome. So he's done a bunch of movies, but to put this in chronological order for his most well-known films and also the films that we have done. So we did The Long Hot Summer and then Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. So he's done those and then he does, and he's done other movies, but these are the, the big ones. And then he did this film. So this is like pretty early on in Paul Newman's career. But it's after Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. So he was. Yeah. So he's like. Yeah. He's in his lane. He's in his lane. Which I think is evident the first time we see him. I'm like, they know who they have here. And they know what the people want. So then the next major film that he does after this. Um, as far as like films that we've done and stuff, The Hustler. Oh yeah. Then later on, Harper, Torn Curtain, Cool Hand Luke, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, The Sting, Slapshot, and The Verdict. Yes. So those are okay. all films that we've already covered on. Which you made me really excited to watch this one when you said, you know, we've done about eighty-five Paul Newman films and we've watched all of the best of them. <laughs> So I was like, well, great. They're giving me his trash movie. <laughs> but was it? No, I, I enjoyed him. Yeah. 
I was like, wow, Ma, this is this could have gone sideways. It really yeah. could have. Boy, wow, you uh, nailed it. Um, Barbara Rush as Joan. She was in It Came From Outer Space, Robin and the Seven Hoods, Hombre. She was also in All My Children and Peyton Place. I don't know what she, who she was in All My Children. Oh, that was early All My yeah. Children. Okay. Alexis Smith as Carol. She was in Of Human Bondage, Gentleman Jim. And her last film was this Martin Scorsese film, The Age of Innocence. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Brian Keith as Mike. He was in the- It was like old home week for me. The- These people from the long ago just kept showing up. <laughs> the, the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. He, uh, The Wind and the Lion. And he's probably best known from The Parent Trap, right? Well, and then the TV show. Oh, I don't have the TV sh- What was show. the name of it? He was the uncle who had to raise the, the children- my three um, sons? No, 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 no. And, and there was the butler. Uh, okay, moving on. Silver spoons? No, 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 no. Different no. strokes? Stop it. <laughs> You're not going to get Good times? But uh, talk and I will find out. Well, What's his name? Brian Keith. Well, I have a nerd alert. Go ahead. That from 1927 to 1929, his stepmother was Peg Entwistle. Yes. The actress who jumped from the Hollywood sign H in <gasps> 1932. Wow. Yeah. And then during World War II, he was in the United States Marine Corps. He was uh, an air gunner and he received the uh air metal oh excellent Mm -hmm. the tv show that i'm talking about was a family affair oh because he was like a he was like a a rock hudson in pillow talk like a player and he had to take in these three children uh because his brother or his sister left the children to him and something happened to both of them i see well (laughs) I, oh I hate to spoil, but I guess you haven't gotten that part in the book, Ma, but Maureen O'Hara is also in Parent Trap, so... Yeah, no, I saw that. Oh. Brian Keith has 166 items listed on his IMDb. Yeah, he was in a lot, a lot of, of shit. stuff. Yeah. Diane Brewster, she was Kate Judson Lawrence, so she was Tony's mom. She mm-hmm. was the in the Oklahoma... In, Okay, I put the Oklahoma. I think it was Oklahoma. <laughs> or it's the Oklahoma. I don't know. Maybe it is the Oklahoma. She was a king of the wild stallions. The TV show Maverick. Leave it to Beaver. She was also... This is a nerd alert for me going back to 77 Sunset Strip kind of era. The doomed wife. Helen Kimball from The Fugitive. <gasps> Fugitive! It was the one-armed man. Yeah, she was dead in it. Yeah, doomed. Like, she was the reason he was a fugitive. Yeah. Billy Burke, she was Mrs. J. Arthur Allen. 
Yes, she was. She is I Glenda. Knew it. As soon as she said her first word, I knew it. Glenda the Good Witch from the Wizard of Oz. Whoa. Yes, she was. Oh my God! Wait, what's her name? Billy Billy Burke. Burke. I love a girl named Billy. I loved her in this. She was also in Merrily We Live in Hullabaloo, to name a few. Hullabaloo. (laughs) John Williams as Gilbert Dickinson. He was also in Dial M for Murder. Sabrina. Mm -hmm. Witness for the Prosecution and To Catch a Thief, among others. Yeah, I had seen him. We have Robert Vaughn as Chet. He was born oh. in 1884. Who? Billy Burke. Yes. Yeah. Because she was like Gone with the Wind was in the 30s, the late 30s, right? Mm-hmm. And like she was an adult then. And this is 59. And she was like, I, I think this might have been her last movie. I don't know. Yeah, she died 10 years later. So. so mm-hmm. And those were probably the should not be seen years maybe you know but this one was she she should be seen in this one i yeah. did like it like her very much yeah she was only 74 in this one. Oh, that's not that old people <laughs> nobody said it was, it was okay because that's only six years from now so <laughs> you only have six more years until you're not be seen years <laughs> well it, it depends on if you look now <laughs> That's entirely, it's entirely up to her and what sort of stretching she wants to do and exercising and all that kind of thing. So really. I walked today. I am so proud of you. Thank you. It was beautiful. There was no 109. Go on. Robert Vaughn is Chet. He was. Robert Vaughn I was in love with, the man from UNCLE. Yes, the man from UNCLE. He was also in The Magnificent Seven. And Pootie Tang. Was he in Pootie Tang? He was. His credits include Pootie Tang. There you go. And also making his film debut, my Batman, Adam West. Again, he shows up and I'm like, oh my God, it's Batman. I'm like there. And and in my head, I go, I prefaced it even in my head, controversial hot take. That's my Batman. <laughs> Y'all can have your dark and brooding Batman. I like the whimsical 60s gray suited, not, you know, not died down, enjoys being rich and gallivanting around town, Batman. I have to say, I'm not excited for Robert Pattinson. Oh, is he going to be Batman? Yeah, he's the new Batman. It's always all dark and moody and Aww, stuff. And... Yeah, but now he has COVID. Yeah. Oh, because well, he, he needs to buff up if he's going to be Batman. I'm just saying. I I mean, I I don't know. They released a trailer, and I, I saw what I kind of could see. It was I was watching it in the dark, and it's really dark. And I'm like, wow, I guess they've just... Everyone's just really pivoted into just dark Batman. And I will say that when you were Batman for Halloween, and you're welcome for that awesome freaking it was costume. awesome. You were an Adam West Batman. Yes, because... With the, you were Batman, gray. I was Catwoman. Yes, I was Batman because when I was a kid, 
they didn't have like that was batman was the gray adam west batman this was before michael keaton's batman came out i was like what 9 10 12 when that came out wait yeah because you adam was robin he was so cute yeah we were great i have to find a picture and send it we to were you. adorable i had a really round little belly you know where we're in those gray thighs although i would going back i would opt to go black because that is way more way more slimming than the wool gray things that like did not accent my thighs but apparently now that's back in so you're welcome those are the particulars it was like old home week watching this because I didn't know all these people were in it. Okay. Well, the credits roll with a silhouette of a big house. Uh, as, uh, as mentioned, this is black and white. We have a church and a wedding is going on. And across the street from the wedding, Brian Keith is sad watching the wedding and his uh, father, an Irish policeman, comes up and goes, what do you expect? She could marry into society, and you aren't society. So, of course, she went for this dude. So, you know right away, she's a lower class than the dude who was in the, in the class system of Philadelphia. The class system of Philadelphia, by the way, is the class system of the United States of America. Just, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want you to yeah. think that yeah. there's a crazy difference. Um, so the father tells him, just go get drunk. And uh, well, then the we... father says, do what any respectable Irishman would do. Go get drunk. Ah, that's okay. a, I, I messed the accent up. I apologize. It's, it's hot here. You just, you gotta do, you gotta do the Jesus, Mary and Fook and Joseph first. And then you can get into the Irish accent. We will never be contracted for accent work. No, we won't. <laughs> Or handwork. Okay. So we go to a hotel suite. And uh, as Teeny said, as she was watching this, there are a lot of quotables in this. And yeah. I did not write down Paul Newman's first quote when the credits are rolling. Did you write that down, Teeny? Oh, when he was being the narrator? Yeah. Uh, no, he was just saying, basically, he says, you know, a man is made up of all of the actions oh, yeah. and stuff from his life and it seems as though my fate was already set before i was even born yeah he said a man's life they say is the sum of all of his actions but sometimes it's the other people's actions that make up a man's life something like that. Mm -hmm. okay. result in his yeah so um the wife trying to take responsibility for where he is what was the first part He's not trying. He's just is trying to blame everything on how that's how his life his life turned out like that because of other people. Oh, right, yeah. And the way he looks. Okay. Yeah. So in the hotel suite, <laughs> the bride, who we find out is Kate, says everything's been arranged just as your mother instructed. Oh man. And your mother wanted us to be alone here because he's going, I don't know why we couldn't go back to, you know, the house I share with mom on our wedding night. Well, also because he's extremely I was confused about all these people in the beginning. Okay. Because I had a lot of 
oh moments because okay if you're listening to this the podcast in chronological order we are firmly within the code like these are now coded films again yeah that we're watching so, so there was a lot that we had to to draw between, between the lines, lines. Yeah. of like oh okay so she so they're from they're again well i'll get into it more in nerd alerts but like in philadelphia like in new york dc you know you have your elite society they're super rich people and have and have not right and the rich people want um their family to you know marry well and stuff and it seems as though this woman's son who is batman adam west he just was just staying single, just really not marrying anyone. And the mom really wanted a grandson because, you know, has to be a male because it has the male has the name. And so then the family can continue, which it always just cracks me up because on one hand, I understand people wanting, you know, who comes after them to be great. But on the other hand, it's like, you're not going to be here. So yeah, how do you care? And take what you get. Yeah. Karen knows a lot about not being the that was one of my first mistakes I made. Having Aaron? Having a girl first. <laughs> having a girl first. No, according to other people, not according to me. I would be I, I would like to point out that if you look at the date of my birth and like I'm it matches up completely. I know I was completely wanted and somewhat planned for just based on the math. So huh. there you go. Uh, no, you were totally loved and wanted you from were the moment. You were a male. Yeah. Oh, well. But, but according to other family members, you were going to be a boy. It was going to be a boy. And well, you were my precious girl. You came out right away going, not following your rules. Okay, sorry we went down that road. Okay. So it's obvious that the mother, you were saying oh, that the mother wanted the grandson. Right, wanted the grandson. And so she found somebody from the lower echelons who was suitable. Like, okay, well, look, at she's pretty attractive. She's pretty smart. Like, she's not up on our echelon, but she's also not super poor, you know. She's, she's upper middle class. Like, up, yeah, upper middle class, I guess. Like the top tier of middle class, you know, she's like peeking over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, and that's the way she sets it up. And so the son is just, he's miserable and he's just going along with it. And he's just like, why are we spending the money to be in a hotel? Why can't we just go back to our house? And so the, the, you know, his new wife is like, look, honey, I've, your mom wants us to be alone and have some privacy. Hint, hint. Like, coded speak. And he does not let her down easy. Well, I wrote, so she's going, uh, she wants us to be alone on her wedding night. And you've only kissed me once today. So he, she comes over to him. She's already taken her blouse off. So she has her, of course, full slip. You know, you couldn't have just a bra. It has to be a full slip as well. And she's coming, and he barely grazes her cheek. And I wrote, he's just not that into you. <laughs> yeah. And she is ready for the wedding night to begin, and they have a very awkward kiss. 
And, and when I was watching it, though, because in my head, I had already made the connection of like, oh, we're in the code. So I was like, is this an awkward kiss or is this like just a code kiss? Like, what are you giving me here? Well, we find out right after when he says, I've done you a terrible wrong. My mother wanted this. And she goes, you know, she talks, well, can't you? And he goes, I can't love anybody. He pushes her away and he runs out. And I was like, oh, wow, this is what we get in the code. Because I'm like, is he, did he just, did they, did the, did they just go through a whole bunch of hoops to basically say this guy's gay? Actually, I had read what, uh, what I would usually do for my intro. And it said that he was impotent. She finds out he's impotent. I don't think he's impotent just with the female persuasion was my take on it. But that's as much as you could do with the Hayes Code. What did you think, Teeny? Well, you know, um, I was watching this at work. I thought... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I started it on... It was like, look, I'm going to get a head start. I'm going to do my homework ahead of time. I had a break with nobody else the other day, so I put it on. And I'm watching it. I I was taking my notes. And people came in the office and started talking. And then the next day I had to watch again. I had to restart it. And so then the same thing happened. But all I wrote was at the top, I wrote, what? Now she has a baby? Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I guess I did not read in between code lines enough. Well, I did the same thing because, okay, so then after this, she, he runs out. Like, there's a reason why I, I kind of, I, I crossed out impotent and was like, the way that he just ran out of that room, I'm just going to say, make, you know. So, just so tragic for him that he just couldn't live his life. I know. So then she goes and shows up to what's his face? The Irish guy, Brian Keith's place. And he was out drinking, you know, doing what his dad said, tying, tying one on, comes back with a floozy. A sex worker. Well, was she or was she? I I guess. Well, she was happy to take the money and leave. She was. But yeah. All right. Well, yeah. They were, I I also did question that. I'm like, well, was she a sex worker? Or was she just gonna have happy to take the money? And that's maybe because, true too. Exactly, because I'm like, it doesn't necessarily, you know, whatever. So then they had like when she, you know, had the kid. The next scene. Oh no, then that's not the next scene. Because then the next scene. So she had it that morning. I mean that evening. She was with the the irish guy brian brian keith Keith. and then she returns home and her mom and everybody is like oh my god where have you been where have you been your husband died in a car accident last night and she's like oh my gosh and then nine months later she has a baby and i'm like wait a second they never when did they have this kid and then I remembered the night with the guy. But it took me a good, like, three minutes, and I had to rewind it to go back. Yeah, so I didn't rewind. I was just like, okay, she has a baby now? Yeah. yeah. I did the I knew same exactly thing. exactly what had happened. Well, that's because you were raised watching entertainment during this Haze Code period. 
because it was really good for inferencing skills. Yeah. Yeah, it is good for that because you do have to like read between the lines and really realize like, oh, they can't say like they couldn't like she didn't just he didn't just pass out and she didn't just pass out on the the couch in in that guy's place. You know, like they hooked up. It didn't show any of that. But when the baby is born, you go, oh, it certainly wasn't her husband. But the thing was, though. It implies, though, that they never had sex when, before they got married. But the, oh, yeah. But it's take like that's taken as a like that's a fact that 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 they didn't have that. You know what I mean? But they Did you see him run out of the room. I know. But that but that's the thing. Okay. Like, if they had had premarital sex, they couldn't have alluded to it in the film. Right. So I'm like, well, it, there is a possibility that they could have had it before. And they couldn't say it in the film because it's a coded film. But then based on like, but then I was like, oh, no, that's not what the case is here. Right. It's just funny. The things that you have to infer in one way and then the things you have to infer in the other way. Well, I did feel like this was this made a case for premarital sex just to make sure that everything is, you know, kind of copacetic between two people before you make the commitment. But this was a business arrangement. Like their marriage was a bus- was purely a it's business true. arrangement. It's true. It's true because because Grandma wanted a, a grandson, but she comes in to the hospital room after Kate has given birth to beautiful son and says, "That's not my grandson." So that's when you you know too. Yeah. Um, and she says, uh, "Kate goes, you won't have any trouble from me." Um, and the grandma says, you know, the attorneys will pay you anything you want. Just give up the Lawrence name. And she goes, I don't want your money, but my kids keep in the name. She did the Tina Turner. When yeah. Tina Turner was in the divorce scene and she was like, my name, I just, just want my name. my name. Just give me my name. Okay. So the next scene we have, uh, Mike. And Mike Flanagan, who was Brian Keith, and Kate, who was the mother of Paul Newman. Uh, Mike is saying, I want to marry you. And she says, I can't. Um, I have to maintain some kind of social position. Um, And he goes, I can make enough money to keep all of us fine. And she goes, you can make yourself a millionaire, but you can't open the right doors. And he goes, okay, but don't ask me to stay out of his life he's my son and i'm and meanwhile i'm watching this and i'm like but you're white what the hell <laughs> i know even that's not enough Jeez. okay the next scene is a newspaper picture of our paul all grown up oh yeah tony lawrence is gonna spend summer vacation Uh, from Princeton in Philly, and he is actually working for Mike as a construction worker on a construction site. He's dirty and sweaty, and he takes (sighs) his shirt off. And you're just like, oh, my gosh. It's like they knew. Just give the people what they want. That's all. As soon as it's Paul Newman, he just has to get this shirt off. He just has to be wearing this white tank top undershirt. Just... And through a traffic accident, he happens to meet Joan, who uh, you will find out a lot about 
soon. Um, okay. Uh, so he's yelling at Joan because she's driving this big ass convertible and she has hit a truck that is coming out of the construction site and he's yelling at her and she's going, you're making me nervous. I know exactly how that feels when you are trying to move your car and you can't get it to do what you want it to do. Oh and yeah. My God. And it's Paul, Paul Newman, Newman that is yelling at me. I would be all flustered. Uh, just, I just, can't, I, ah! <laughs> my head yeah. would probably just explode. What did you do to that woman, Paul? Ooh, I, I, I was just in her presence. Next scene, Paul is in a tuxedo. Is there anything better than Paul Newman in a tuxedo? Well, I have a line from that, I think. Is he in the white tuxedo? When he's he's uh, with his mom. He's getting ready to go out yeah. to the cricket club. And his dad comes in. And yeah. is, and is like, what are you, a bartender? <laughs> <laughs> And the mom is saying, he goes, I know, I know, I know. I have to consider the consequences of everything I do. And she says, I hope you lose that job. Ask Chet, Robert Vaughn, to introduce you to his big time uncle. And they argue about it because he doesn't, he doesn't play by these social well, rules that his mother he, has. He's doing the, the mom's doing the poppy to this kid. I know exactly how Paul Newman felt. Because, you know, the mom is all about, like, connections, you need to go, he, you know. He, if it was my dad at the time, the early 2000s Philadelphia, my dad was like, you know, Bill Cosby, he's at Temple University, you need to, you need to like, go I over. thought about that, too. So I, gotta, I was like, oh, my God, I hate when my parents would be like, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to make that connection. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. Exactly. My uh, he always oh, other Rashida Jones. Hey, Rashida Jones, you got to get in touch with Rashida Jones. That was me. That was me. Oh, that was you. That was me. Okay, L let me just get in touch with her. <laughs> You're both pretty brown girls. Okay. Um, Mike stops by. He argues with Kate about something. Okay. Robert Vaughn comes. He's Chet. They're at the cricket club, which is all of these. Uppity, uppity, uppities. Uncle Morton, come see Uncle Ship before you get plastered. So Robert Vaughn has the reputation of being a drunk. And he meets um, these important people. And Robert Vaughn is saying to his uncle, you know, when do I get some of my money? He was supposed to inherit money, but his uncle has, uh, what is that that um, Britney Spears' father has on Conservatorship? Yeah. And so that's what his uncle had. And his uncle goes, when you can show me you can handle your money instead of just drinking it all away, you'll be able to get some of your money. Okay. Well, Joan, the but girl also from the car. He's, he's like, he, he's doing what I think any, like, let, take out the rich part of it, but he's a 20 year old guy. Like, you know? Yeah. Getting drunk. Yeah. Uh, with, I mean, he's got money. Okay. Um, oh, and so um, Joan is there with Carter, somebody who it's just assumed they are going to get married. Joan and this Carter guy, because he also comes from money. He comes from 20. I didn't look it up, but he comes from $20 million. And that was 1959 money. 59, right. 
Um, and so he and Joan go, uh, he, Paul Newman and Joan go off and just have a little chat. And she says, I was carefully educated to be an idiot. Uh, and I, and I learned my lessons well. And just, uh, she expects Carter to ask her to marry her, but Carter's going out of town all summer and Tony's Tony, Paul Newman is going, Oh, I'll be in town all summer. So, um, <laughs> and then she goes, Oh, well, my father happens to be Dickinson of this law firm. You want to be a lawyer. So maybe I'll introduce you. And he goes, Gee whiz, gosh, people think I'm dating you to meet your father. And then there are just snapshots. What's that called there in like a collage or something? A montage? Just snaps- a a montage, montage of them being together. <laughs> oh, that's your scrapbook. <laughs> oh, sorry, scrapbooking came in. And um, she starts picking him up from work every night, you know, sweaty, no shirt. Um, then they go to Ernie's Cocktails. And Joan is with Chet, and she's saying we love each other. Um, because and Joan and Chet, like they all kind of run in the same kind of circle. So they, so Joan kind of knew who Chet was, and so they, they kind of are friendly. Like not saying they're best friends, but they're like friendly enough where they would be chatting with each other. And she's coming to him for advice because oh. she loves Paul Newman. And she wants to know, because Chet and Paul are best friends, so how can I get him to marry me? Because, you know, we want to be married, but he's going to say that we shouldn't be married yet, and blah, blah, blah. No? Yes. <laughs> what? Christine's holding up a piece of paper. I thought I had a sign ready. And I thought she had a sign. I get work. I was trying to say there's something written on it that you need to read. Yeah, and I was like, because it, because it, it, whoever's talking is the big picture. So I just see in the bottom this white piece of paper, and I'm like leading in. Like, what is she trying going. to tell? What? I can't. Then I see the two of them laughing hysterically, and I'm going, "What did I do wrong this time?" Okay. Um, so at this point, Robert Vaughn shares, he was married to somebody for two whole days before the parents and society broke him up. So it was was like real love. Like he really loved that girl, but she was deemed, I guess both parties somehow deemed that it was an inappropriate relationship. I, I, just based on my parentage, I, I laugh so hard at these things. I'm like, y'all, man, look at you, fools. Just damn who actually listen to other people. Unbelievable. And Chet says to her, don't let them do what they did to me. And so make him marry you. And she goes, how? And he goes, the way people have been making people marry him for years so i'm like so, so she's gonna fake a pregnancy that's what i thought <laughs> um they actually i thought that she was going to have a real pregnancy because they're in the woods and she's ready to go oh well that's that was her plan was to to yeah get pregnant and paul uh tony paul newman tony has always been uh had two sides of his head going at the same time like, what is the reasonable thing to do and what is it that I want to do? And he would start to do what he wanted to do, but the reasonable side would always come out. So he was going, well, 
you know, the reasonable thing to do. And she goes, don't let's we're not doing that. And so he goes, let's drive to Maryland tonight. I'll marry you tomorrow. And so she goes, I'm so ready for this. I already have my bag packed in the trunk. Well, this was the creepy part. And then she said, and if you look in my bag, I have my diary in there where I've already written the names of our first four kids. Four <laughs> I'm like, why don't you just have one first until you oh, experience it? Stalker. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. you know why though? I didn't like part of my brain was like, oh, but then the part of my brain was like, yeah, but he is Paul fucking Newman. Like <laughs> I would come up with five yeah, kid names too. Sure you get a couple of kids out of that. Exactly. Exactly. So they pull up to his house so he can go pack his bag and his mother is at the door. And right away you go, this isn't going to go well. And she says, I have a surprise for both of you. Come in. And Joan's father is there. Okay, that's when I got really surprised. And maybe it's because all these people look the same to me. But I was like, <laughs> thank you. I didn't say it, but thank you. They all look the same. I'm just so confused the whole movie. And I was like, wait, I thought these were her parents. But now he's acting like that's his mom. Okay. <laughs> Because her mom had died when she was like seven or something. Oh, but we okay. find that out later, I think. Okay. So his so mom he, is there. That's his mom. His and, mom and her and dad. her dad. Okay. And they have obvi obviously been discussing, should these two get married right now? And they're going, I don't care what happens. We're going to get married tonight. So if tell us whatever you need. But discussing it isn't going to change anything. But then they make the fatal mistake of separating the men and the women. Well, was, is it a fatal mistake or it, it kind of seemed like that was like what happened? It's like, the that's... plan of the parents' plan was to separate them. No, but I thought that that's, isn't that the, like traditionally even like what happens is that the groom goes to the father of and ask for the hand in marriage? Like, isn't... He wasn't even doing that. But it was okay, uh, Tony. You're well because you're the dad sends the her, the dad sends the daughter out, and it's, and it's like okay, but yeah, the men are gonna talk. Yeah, and so it's just like all right, well, you know, it's just an, like doesn't matter how rich you get, like the these the men have to decide your fate. Like you know, these these are yeah, rich. And my thing is. Don't ever let that happen. Stay in the room where it happens. So you know the full story. Yeah, but my thing was is that I don't think that you are allowed to. I think that's just like we're watching patriarchy. Just right. You have right. to get, get out. Isn't that what dowries are? And like all of that kind of stuff about that. Okay. Um, How many goats do I get? <laughs> I brought no goats with me. Um, and so the father's saying, we're just both thinking of what's best for you. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to wait until June. Just wait until June. And then I will be your preceptor. preceptor. It's a nerd alert. I cover it. Okay. And then um, you'll spend the... You'll, you'll have until the summer to get ready for the wedding. Then you'll come into my law practice. Just postpone until June. You have a place in my law practice. Everything is set. And he's going, yeah, that sounds great. But, but like, 
Yeah. Anybody whose parents are that involved in their wedding. When it's this society, people. These, yeah, this is how this is how the society people I know, I know, but that's why these society marriages never go well. Exactly. Yeah. The the groom runs out and that's why they have and then they have a whole bunch of unhappy children and then their unhappy children have the money and the power i get it i would have done i mean that's a great deal you're gonna give me a job if we just wait until the summertime i'm gonna have this job that i've been working for anyway right i was right i was totally watching it because i was interested from y'all's point of view because my point of view i was watching it from paul newman's point of view and yeah i love this woman and I get to have all of this. Like in my mind, it's a no brainer. Yeah, because yeah, I know I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this woman. That. Somebody was like, "Yeah, if you guys wait a year to get married, I mean, not that we didn't wait like eight, then <laughs> <laughs> you get this job. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And and the father goes, Joan may pout because she gets everything she wants, but don't worry, I'll explain the details. And to that's her. when I knew that that's I was like, the fatal oh, this guy. There's a reason why this guy is like either became no, but he's in the main line. So why he still has stayed rich because he knows how to read people and manipulate the situation, mm-hmm. and he knows his daughter. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, that's okay. So she's not going to, she's not going to like see the big picture. She's, she's gonna, not going to hear the whole she's story. She's going to be like, daddy's telling me to do this and I don't want it. And she didn't hear the whole story. Daddy turned it so that it sounded like if he didn't, if he married her tonight, he would not have that job opportunity. And that was never brought yeah. up. He he to- he was totally went lawyer did his daughter dirty in this because that's mm-hmm. not how it was approached to to Tony at all and then when he tells the story to his daughter he's like well I made him an offer that he could get like marry you now or wait and he gets this job and just he saying. chose the job over you right now that's how she saw it. Um, and her feelings are hurt and she said, no, I get it. All you had to do was make the offer attractive enough. So he goes, Hey, you know what? Aunt so-and-so is going to Europe for the summer. Why don't you go with her or the, this fall term or whatever? And she goes, I think I will. So it's Christmas time. Which by the way, like this movie comes out in 1959, but given what happens kind of later, I, it has to take. This has to be taking place like in the like nineteen fifty latest. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's we cut to Christmas time. Tony goes and meets with Joan's father and says, "I haven't heard from Joan in two weeks." And Joan's father goes, "Well, I just got this telegram today. It's a telegram to Dad from Joan saying she married Carter." I felt so bad for him. I know. Without any warning or anything, because obviously she'd been hearing he'd been hearing from her until two weeks ago. That's what I thought, too. I was like, oh, she didn't just just cut off communication. She's still communicating. And then it's been two weeks and then that's it. I don't know. And 
And the father goes, yeah, he found out she went to Europe and he followed her to Europe. So she's going, well, this dude is at least willing to follow me to Europe. So I'm, I don't where know what she was Also, thinking. where are they going in Europe? Because this is, again, it's, I was thinking it was 1959, but again, like the Korean War plays a part and that was from 50 to 53. So this has to be around either 49 or 50 which means that this is at least only five years after the end of world war ii right right so like what well, do y'all do it i mean people are traveling during the pandemic to all these other countries they don't care it, it's yeah but to me my thought is during the war people saw the family was how important family was and love wasn't because that's all that sustains you. And so poor people, years, no, people who have to work for money understand family yeah, and all of that. Right. Right. Cause I feel like she's acting like she couldn't tell that like that was her dad that did that to her. And not that's what like I'm that. saying too. Yeah. Come on. She's supposed to be smarter than that. Even yeah. though she was brought up to be an idiot. Yeah. She did say, I mean, yeah, we can't just gloss that over. She did come out with a disclaimer of, I even have it wrote, written down in my yeah. quotes of be, of what she describes herself as, as uh, I was very well educated to be an idiot. So yeah. she pretty much like spelled that, like we're getting mad at her and it's kind of like, hey, I am who I said I was, That's ladies. True. Why don't you cut me some slack? I'm an idiot. Yeah, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Carter and I'm looking at Tony. Okay, moving on. And the dad goes, but hey, we still hope you're coming to our firm. So Paul goes, oh, Paul was so sad. Oh, and and then he, he got sad drunk. He's drunk with Chet and he's looking at Chet's little black book. And, oh, they're laughing, laughing, laughing. Uh, and then they go to his mother's house, and Mike is there. Chet calls, and he's flirting with a blonde. Oh, um, Tony, Paul Newman, is flirting with an older blonde woman. Didn't you feel like she was a bit older in the bar? He was just going to go and get oh. some because he was just. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then Uncle Mike comes in, who is indeed his real dad. And then he just he just cries. Oh, he oh, didn't just cry. cry. He just the way he hung his head. I know. I was like, oh, Paul, why did she go and break Paul Newman's heart? Look how he, he's just, his shoulders oh, are. I'm and just, he said, what'd she oh, have to go off and get married for? Oh, broke my little heart. Oh, man. So they go to his house where, because uh, uh, Mike, Brian Keith, isn't giving up on mom, the mama. Um, they're having coffee. Don't you yeah. feel like though they've been together this whole time? Like well, I think they were friends with Ben. Yeah, this whole like his whole life because he's like I'm not going anywhere, and you know who I am, so I'm just gonna be Uncle Mike. Here I am. And at this point, Tony says she sold herself to the highest bidder, and I have just learned the rules of the game. This Tony's gonna be a very smart boy. Next sign we see is the University of Pennsylvania Law School. Yes, I rode by my $78 Walmart 
Mount Fury bike many, many times past that school. And the hospital where I told you to fall off of it and meet a rich doctor, but you never did it. Yeah, because I am a woman. I can provide for (laughs) myself. Thank you very much. So he's talking with another student who's talking about this other, uh, take it, Aaron, the guy who's writing a book about something. and Oh, well, the guy comes up and I thought that it was another student, but he made it very like right off the bat that he was Italian. So I'm like, oh, I guess he's in this movie considered an other. I did not write him down as a POC, he- but I am pointing out that they did make it like, oh, he is, you know, because he was Italian. And I'm like, this motherfucker's white. Jesus. Um, but that's fifties, man. So he yeah. was telling him at the law school about how this guy was writing a, a book and they, he was going to pick one of the, the best students and then he was going to help him write the book. And then he was going to get, that would go on and stuff. And so, um, what's his, <laughs> I just see Mac. <laughs> oh i didn't see him and so he so paul newman is like oh okay so then he goes home and he asks about the that the judge that judge or the the guy that was writing the book and picking the student he has a wife and his mom works with the wife that's so right. and he's that's like right. oh okay i see myself in the mirror every day time to put these looks to use I've learned the rules of the game and his mom working with the wife in charitable things, because that's what society does. That's well, yeah, because the white, because his mom is still like, she is the widow of this Lawrence guy. Cause I guess the grandma never did the, the, yeah, the one, the Batman's mother, right. Who was like, that's not my grandson. She never, she never caved or pushed on it. She was just like, just, all right, fine then. Yeah, he's a Lawrence. and But you're, yeah, got no money, but yeah. yeah. So, so the mother is still society bound to do some. Yeah, she can work on like the charities and like she still does. Charity work. Because exactly. she, the, and the whole reason that she's doing that is to make the connection so she can tell her son, oh, this is so-and-so, this exactly. is so-and-so. Exactly. And the mom says, yeah, um, his wife, she's charming and attractive. And so next scene, we see silk stockings with a seam and an enforced toe and heel, which was a great idea for people with monster toenails, uh, on a table hanging something over the mantle. When the doorbell rings, she says, come on in. And Paul comes in and she's giving him a stack of stuff to do. But then she realizes he's not from the office. He says, I'm Mrs. Lawrence's son. And so then he says to her, um, you know, are you the secretary? And uh, no, I'm the, I didn't expect you to be so young. And, you know, like he's trying to fall all over himself. Um, And they're moving to the country for the summer if he gets this like internship, then he's going to go to their summer country house with them, spend the summer there, help write this book, and then get in with this dude's law firm instead of Joan's father's law firm. Yes. Okay. So he decides his ticket to that is the wife. Next scene, they're in the country. 
and they're riding horses together. And they go in and they're going to be guests for dinner. You knew right away who the guests were, right? You knew Joan was coming to that dinner. I didn't because I got bogged I down because they were serving martinis. And I was like, hmm, martinis. Were Still trying martinis. to make martinis happen, are they? Oh, no, they enjoy them. Okay. Um, and she says, I want you to come to dinner because a presentable young, a presentable, like Paul Newman is a presentable young man, is always an asset at a dinner party. So he's got his black tuxedo on and it's be right before the party starts and she's um, dancing by herself to the music. And so she goes, come dance with me. Like who wouldn't? <laughs> And question again. <laughs> <laughs> and that you know how well I dance, Teeny. <laughs> uh, the dance ends and she says thank you. And her husband is there. And I thought he might be like, hmm. But he wasn't. He was he's like, he's I don't him. want no smoke. Look at that, look at that young guy. I got nothing. <laughs> that was pleasant to watch. Uh martinis are all right, and Carter and Joan arrive. And they just stare at each other. And um, she, he's talking about leaving the father's firm to go with this dude's firm. And Joan says to Tony, no one could blame you for taking a better offer. You know, hints of, that's what you did with mm -hmm. my father instead of me. And Tony says, we all seem to do that. Yeah, don't. <laughs> that's uh, what you drink? did. So now it's nighttime, and Mrs. is in the dark smoking, and you know as much as <laughs> the haze code allows, she was thinking of Tony. She was doing all of the the class. Like she was being so fifties <laughs> dramatic. <gasps> she was. Oh my god. <gasps> I so want this young man, but I so shouldn't have this young man, but I so want this young man, but I so shouldn't have this young man. Okay. Well, Tony is smoking in bed. Not a good idea, Paul. And he hears the knock on the door, so he pretends to be asleep. He's not as good at it as I am. <laughs> and so You're she really comes good at in, <laughs> even though he doesn't, you know, invite her in. And she is you know, going to start to wake him up and then she starts to leave and then she sees the cigarette smoking. So she knows he's really awake, ignoring her and that's going to piss her off. And so she goes to put that cigarette out and um, she puts it out and she's starting to leave and he grabs her hand and um, he goes, you're crazy. You know that? And they kiss <laughs> and she go she goes, Oh, I'd forgotten how that feels. You've never had Paul Newman kiss you. You don't know what you forgot. <laughs> and he goes, he goes for it. He goes, no, 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 no. I'm not going to be like one night stand and then have to be thinking about you the rest of my life. The one who got away from me. And so I want you to divorce rich dude and come and be with me. And phew. She realizes she wants the money more than she wants Paul. She takes the better She's offer. She's like, he's poor. <gasps> and, she, uh, and she goes, thank you, Tony, and for letting him down easy. And he lays on the bed and goes, phew, because he was afraid he was going to have to, you know, go. Mm -hmm. um, 
technically like what would what would have happened if she was like yes i will divorce him like he would have been, i no that wasn't how what you were supposed to rewind and it has been an hour and there's a so much more left to like we don't even get to the korean war like tini said it's another whole movie happens when, yeah. Okay, yeah. So go watch it because we're about to spoil it. But like when the the trial happens, I'm like, wait, this is a courtroom drama. All I know. A murder happened. Drama after we had society drama. Yeah, it lost me for a little bit, and then the courtroom brought me back. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay. So we're that's as much as I could handle taking notes on, and so now we are to our POC count, and we have a count. We do have a count. I have to find my my notes were everywhere this week. Okay. So Grace is Mrs. Wharton's maid. Roland and is she Mrs. She looked older than dirt. I know. Roland is Mrs. Wharton's housekeeper. So were were Roland and Grace no, because they were behind Mrs. Carter. So then Mrs. Carter has a man and a woman at the airport behind her. And then there's a right. black guy in jail. So we have five people of color. So the, it's a maid, the, I don't know, a groomsman? Is that what a horsekeeper person is? Oh, missed him. I don't okay. know. Yeah, I'm boycotting the Kentucky Derby today because I want the cops who murdered Breonna Taylor, I want their pensions taken away. I don't want them to have a future making money. So I would just like some justice for Breonna Taylor. You can, right. I, like, you arrest them and we know what's going to happen. I just want them fired and I want their pensions taken away, the very least. And this is from a girl who is half Lexington, Kentucky, where the Kentucky Derby has always been big in our family, just as far as uh, having a fun time together. We even Poppy is no, not watching I'm, the Kentucky I'm, Derby. I'm not. I, I was just like, I was going to send a text message to everyone be like, are we? Do-? And then I, I was just like, no, I can't. And there, no. there is a black horse. Because then I thought I was going to get in trouble this morning when I asked if you guys could record today. When I saw it was Derby Day. See, see, yeah, I, I, and we, this is the first time we've ever even discussed it. Where I was just like, no, I'm, I, I'm Everybody not doing now. it. That's right. And there, there's a guy, there's a black owner. I think the horse's name is Necker Island. I hope he wins, but I'm, I'm, I'm out. But and I, I didn't make a mint julep this morning when I was doing my laundry and yeah, stuff. No, Mm-mm. it's just I'm. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. do like do better um mm-hmm. so and then the other people were the help they didn't have anything and there was a black guy in jail so in that jail. is that is what is being reinforced and these are the movies that we're being watched and they are what is it it's just reinforcing that there is a supremacy and it's not a people of color supremacy in this country true so five five okay. people of color uh nerd alerts okay so 19 i'll set the table real quick and then people can jump in 1959 we've we've done a few movies from 1959 already we've done anatomy of murder imitation of life pillow talk real bravo and some like it hot um that is a vast yeah also movies that we haven't done that are big ben-hur north by northwest 
And if you had to guess what this last movie is that we've never done that came out in 1959, what would you say? Porgy and Bess? Yes! In 1959? <laughs> One day. It's so elusive. So in 19... 19- you know, when Aaron finally makes that commitment and just talks to Oprah, I think she can get us a copy of Porgy and Bess, but she would just won't make the commitment. Okay. I don't know what Tony's mom's name is, but okay, Tony's mom. <laughs> um, You're welcome. In 1959, Alaska became the 49th state. Fidel oh, Castro yeah. arrived in Havana. Motown Records was founded. It was uh-huh. also the day the music died. Richie Valens, Buddy Holly, and the Big Bopper died in a plane crash. All together? Yes. In the same plane? They're on the same plane. I think... I think like Waylon Jennings or somebody else was supposed to be on the plane. There's somebody else. Like there's... Waylon wasn't because I've, I've done seen me some Waylon. No, but that's the point. There was somebody else. There was a big name that was supposed to be on the plane and wasn't. Um, oh, A Raisin in the Sun opened on Broadway. Wow. That was by Lorraine Hansberry, and she died really young of cancer. And I had been thinking of her, you know, because it's Chadwick Boseman. And I'm like, oh. It's like Lorraine Hansberry. Uh, Miles Davis recorded Kind of Blue. The first mm-hmm. Little Caesars opened in Detroit. Wow. Um, the Dalai Lama was granted asylum in India. And Bonanza premiered and the Twilight <gasps> Zone premiered. Bonanza. Mm-hmm. And so then, um, so this, they, they talk in this movie about mainline. But here's the thing. If you're in and around Philadelphia, you're like mainline, like throw an article on that. Throw some respect. It's the mainline, just like it's the 405 and the 101. It is not mainline. It's the mainline. All righty then. And that is a suburb of Philadelphia known for sprawling estates. It's a bastion of old money. Bastion. Mm -hmm. To this day, it's got... These three areas of it are still like w- one of the wealthiest in the country. So where Grace Kelly came from, Glad, actually. yeah, Gladwin, Villanova, and Radnor. Probably saying that wrong because not the circles I run in. And you have to have a nasal thing. Yeah, you have to have the weird medic Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's called the main line because the Pennsylvania Railroad built a main line during the nineteenth, early nineteenth century. Um, as part of the mainline public works. Look at look at that socialism. Wow. The railroad owned much of the land around the line that it built, and it encouraged development by building way stations um, to the closest areas to Philly. So it said, quote, healthy yet cultivated country living. So the social elite of Philadelphia would often have one home in the city, a city house, and then they would have... Mm a country estate that was a, a country little farther estate. out so king of prussia better on the beach but yeah yeah um exactly king, king of prussia is a short distance from the main line it's one of the largest retail malls in the country all my children's pine job does all of the prototype for um really we do our prototype at the king of prussia store 
Mm-hmm. That's funny. Adam got his first Hugo Boss suit. I remember. I want to bet it would still be too big for him if he put it on today. No. <laughs> it was a tight suit. Oh, really? I just yeah. imagine him wearing a triple XL suit. No. No, no. This was tight. It was sort of. Yeah, it yeah, he had that period, but this suit was fitted. He he It was a chocolate brown suit with a tiny pinstripe in it. Yeah, it was nice and I was like he's going to wear this once. Like the, and he did to Veronica's he wedding. Her pants too? What? No, that was a different oh. suit. Oh. Oh yeah. yeah, I can't find my pants. New Year's Eve, my son <laughs> lost his pants. I can't find my pants. <sighs> um all My Children's Pine Valley is a fictional suburb of Philadelphia based on Rosemont. Also, so is Landview from One Life to Live. Really? These are like the two, throw in General Hospital, Port Charles, but those were my three soap operas growing yes, up. they were. And then I ended up going to school in Philadelphia, not on the main line, of course, but I was just like, oh my gosh. You were Ivy League adjacent. Ivy League adjacent. So you walked into, you walked up next to the set of uh, The Sixth Sense. Remember when you just walked up on them and they were filming The Sixth Sense? Oh, that was like my first week of college. Where yes. I was learning how to do buses. And yes. I, and I was like, oh, let me, let me explore. Um, Dr. J, Kobe Bryant, Patti LaBelle, Chubby Checker, and M. Night Shyamalan are all from the main line because... Um, Wait, M. Night Shyamalan is from the main line? Well, see, there's super rich areas. So the, the main line is basically the suburb. So you imagine, like, lines going out. But when the, you know, when you have country estates and stuff, there's people who need to work those estates okay. there's helpers and okay. stuff so then other little communities that okay. aren't as rich but still in the suburbs pop up because people are like well i'm gonna travel all this way to and fro so because we certainly didn't see any m night Shyamalan's in this movie so no and i don't know if he if that's where he make he could have like his i don't know his parent situation could it be a situation where they came over from someplace else and were doctors and lived on the main line it's also like there's super wealthy parts of the main line but then there's also you know like middle middle class parts there's also like less middle class parts the people who serve the right so there you know okay it depends of course like with everything i'm sure it's pretty classist and segregated and stuff like that um so then the difference between a preceptor and a mentor because i was like what is a preceptor oh good okay very similar so a mentorship is something that's just naturally formed and it's just oh i'm going to show you these things and it's like mutually beneficial and stuff and a preceptor is that's when an experienced practitioner works with the learner of a defined period of time. So it's more structured and I'm going to show you how to do this. You're going to do it for six months. And it kind of sounds more like an internship of like, that's what I thought you're working. So situation. those are the nerd alerts that I had. Well, of course there had to be a fancy ass name for it. Preceptor. Christine, do you have any nerd alerts? No, I don't. I don't either. So we are to reheatables. 
negatives and positives. My first negative is smoking in bed, Paul. Not a good idea. And then he took to smoking a pipe. Keep those lungs clean. And Ew, I did my say... My dad smoked a pipe for like the first 15 years of my life. Yeah. With, That's with, I mean, it's good. With me saying, um, Adam has asthma. You shouldn't be smoking the pipe in front of oh your Oh my God. I almost got hit. I shouldn't tell this story. I... <laughs> me... Be oh, I thought you were pouring like a bottle of tequila in there. That's oh no, it's my bottle. second drink. I put it in a cooler and then oh, halfway so through I, I pour it. I um uh, my dad used to smoke inside cigarettes and then so I used to cough. I used to do like dramatic coughing. I did that too. And then I, I did that him, too. I called him an alcoholic once for drinking because he would drink two beers every day. And I'm like, if my eight-year-old self could look at me now. <laughs> oh, God. Two beers a day? I mean, come on. That's I like know. Water. And it was like Bud Lights. Yeah. That's basically was... water. Yeah. Oh, that was such a little, like, square. Wow. I never yeah. shamed my parents for their drinking. I just didn't like the smoke. because it, it... it didn't go over well. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> no. <laughs> That would be like telling Dorinda on The Real Housewives of New York she's an alcoholic. It doesn't go well. Um, okay. And for my teeny, the length of the movie, it was too long. But I don't know what you would cut because... I would have cut a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of fat I on the bone. I would have cut minutes 45 to the middle 45 minutes of it. Okay. Just it needed to be an hour and a half. There's just okay. a lot of scenes here and there where we, we just didn't need to have it. Like, it could have continued to go. I okay. found an article from the New York Times, like, a review from when this came out in, like, 1959, and it was not good. It was no. talking about how long it was. and yeah. I mean, and I enjoyed it, but it was long. It was, it was You long. could kind of, well, yeah, I'll, I'll get into that later. With the okay, other it. negatives. Um, um, what did I say? What did this? What does it say? Having to marry. Oh, having to marry a lawyer. Let's um, <laughs> just gonna say having to marry. Family being so involved in your relationship. <gasps> You're welcome. <laughs> um, um, calling your mom mother. Mother. He said mother too much for me. It was weird. Yeah, he I've did. Never, but have she I, probably required that. Have I ever called you mother? But like, but like when you call, like if Adam was like, "Oh, let's see what mother's doing this weekend." Like, <laughs> yeah, to me, I don't like that. Yeah, that's too, that's really classist, <laughs> elitist. Yeah. Okay, I also wrote the stereotype of drunk Irish people. Yes. You know, any stereotyping. I am Maybe Irish, it. though, so I did laugh. I was like, <laughs> oh, I laughed, and I wrote it down as a quotable. Uh, it's confirmed. And I've been to Ireland, and I'm just going to tell you. I'm like, I don't have an insignificant amount of Irish blood, so <laughs> I will laugh at that. <laughs> and I wrote, they... 
I feel like this movie wouldn't have been a thing if they didn't talk about women drivers in a certain way. That's how they. Oh yes, them. yes, yes. Those were my negatives. Those are good negatives. My negatives are the Hayes Code. Yeah. Because that's what we're talking about. Yeah, but but then also on the other on the flip side of it also being true is an unintended good consequence is that it did kind of make people work a little bit harder and so while you couldn't people couldn't say what it really was if you watch these old movies like you were saying ma it like you're able to read between the lines of things mm-hmm. and so like but it's just one of those man what would this movie have been like if it hadn't had a stupid haze code and they could have just said everything because this is all real stuff it's since the beginning of time like this isn't anything new it would be an excellent teaching tool in second grade to teach inferences but you couldn't really because it's talking about sex and they really mean that they had a one-night stand and she got pregnant yeah well and really (laughs) the homosexuality of like i can't love anyone it, it, you're just like oh and then it's just like how just sad that is yeah that, you really can but you just don't know it right now yeah well i mean in those times though you couldn't like right. he couldn't and think of the haze code and it just reinforced that and so mm-hmm. e- like even somebody's just sitting in the audience would be would be like oh yeah because I need to go drive off a cliff yeah it's and yeah um yeah sending the daughter out of the room we need to discuss your future excuse me oh yeah get out of here fuck you dad that Uh, did happen with poppy and my dad you got out of the room they had a discussion without me but it is the weird thing but i do couldn't you see though like from the dad's point of view of like that's your daughter like I want to, I want to size this man up. Like I don't. Yeah, I, I and it understand came out, that. It came out great, luckily, because of course your dad is so great. But <laughs> then they're like, it, "Why weren't you my son?" <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, but that did. Yeah. So there was. Uh, yeah, we've never gone there, but there was a lot involved with all of that. Yeah. yeah. Which, be, because of these movies, these old timey shows, I I learned the art of inference, and I was like, oh, <laughs> ha, ha, <laughs> 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 well, that makes sense. Um, yeah. That Mrs. Wharton looked older than Tom Tony's mom, and I have a nerd alert about that later. <laughs> I didn't know, but I was just like, "Wow, that woman that you're like, you do know that the woman you're seducing looks way older than your own mom, don't you?" Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then my final bad reheatable was I like how. Um, tax law wasn't really a thing in the 50s and he's like oh this is this new it's huge for growth and then the first thing that he does is find like the loophole that lets the lady who she the rich lady she could afford to pay it like and you're just like this i know like in the 50s it's just one of those short-sighted things that you're winning but man you do not know how much this screws this country later on (laughs) Exactly. So awesome. It's really 
16, it totally screws us. Okay. Positive reheatables. Oh, I put that away. Okay. I have, okay, Billy Burke's Fascinator before there was a fascinator at the party where Paul Newman is being introduced to um, Joan's other side of the family. And, and it was like peacock feathers only it was, it was, I loved her fascinator. I didn't realize that it was a fascinator, but yeah, you're right. I just, it was like, that's rich. What's a fascinator? All right, well, I explained it. Okay, so, um, okay. It's, wait, the, it's I, peak. I Ma, wait. My... Isn't fascinator is peak white people shit. Like high yeah, yeah. hoity-toity oh, yeah. white people I'm shit. Googling it now. Because one of my negative reheatables that I did not mention was um, women's hats. And thank God that went out of style. Yeah, you do not have hair oh, that deals well with yeah. You have to be so a foil person to wear them now. It's sort of yeah. a headband, an embellished headband oh, instead of having a hat. I only... some of them are hideous, but I did like Billy Burke's. Yeah, I didn't know that 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 they had a name until it was one. It was either Kate's. It had to be Kate's wedding. Kate's wedding. It yeah, was Kate's that, that wedding. it's like, oh, that's what that. And I was like, I just thought that was, was just basically a tiny hat. Yeah, that yeah. To yourself, it doesn't that doesn't give you hat hair. Yeah, it's, because those hats. Oh my god! Thank God, I do not have a. It's like a, so a, annoying to have on your head. But if you have to wear a hat, you want a fat. This is fascinating. Yeah, just wearing a headband with some fufu on it. Yeah, because I do not have a face for a hat. Uh, a either. It's one of my like. I love putting a hat on my mom. I I don't care. <laughs> it will make me laugh every time. It really is. Anyone out of a depression. It really is. It's just. <laughs> You, you're like, wow, you have a... Wow. You do not understand what a big head and huge See, face I have. I didn't want to say it. you put a hat on But, my like, head. my mom has one of the biggest heads in the planet. If you ever watched So I Married an Axe Murderer, the whole, like, Scotland, he's like, oh, my... It's got its own uh, gravitational pull. <laughs> It's on zip code. It's got its own zip, zip code. code. Adam has such a tiny head then. I know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, let me tell you. How much smaller his head is than mine. He's got a tiny, like, shrunken head head. Yeah, his sister used to be really rude to him about it and call him Pinhead. <laughs> I think you I think you made some impressions on him. And it's still it's not. Cool. Exactly. I was always called Big Head, and then I put a hat on my mom, and I'm like, I have a big head? Well, Excuse my me. My cousin Josh, he used to call him the Big Headed Baby for years. <laughs> even when I, like, even now, he's called the Big Headed Baby. He had, like, a really big head. It's not a gift. pictures because he's a year older than me, and then his sister is like two years younger than me. So we were all kind of babies at the same time. And the pictures of the three of us, I mean, his head. Zizi I'm Baba just going to say it was so much easier to give birth to him yeah. than it was 
to her? Because I made it nice in there. I put nice carpeting in there. I had it all decorated. The way out. I'm like the path out. I was like, let me get all of this out of here. Make it easy. And yeah, he came out with his little bullet head. He did. Right away. In the hallway. Fantastic. Awesome. So happy for him. From us back to the movie. My positive reheatables. Martinis. I like the idea of martinis so much that I keep buying vermouth and I keep trying to make them happen. And I'm, I, I think I'm out. I think I'm fully into like, you know what? Margaritas. That's, I'm, I'm a vodka, gin, tequila girl. Bourbon. Vodka. <laughs> I just say adding. No, I don't discriminate. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's because we'll get to when we get to scotch later. It's actually my friends know you can give me any bottle of alcohol. I'll drink it. Yes, it, you will. It, some might be chores, but I'll get she the is her done. mother's daughter. Uh, maybe that's where the big hit comes from. Um, OK, <laughs> why do I have. That had to have been a negative reheatable. Okay, my other positive reheatable is Paul Newman in a tuxedo. Okay, interesting. He man, just Paul Newman. T. We have to. We have to. It's the elephant in the room here. Are we gonna? Are we gonna rip the bandaid off? What? What if Paul Newman was my LVP? Oh. Well. You know what? Kidding. I really like oh. him. He's very attractive. Yeah. Because I was you're... digging into Eckhart Tolle in my brain. I was having to disassociate. I was just like pulling in every single. No, she's like, allowed you're to allowed have her to... opinion. Yeah. And that's why we like her. But I, no, I really did enjoy him. Ah, nice. I thought you might. No pressure. <laughs> we no didn't pressure you into anything. Okay, TD, positive reheatables. Uh, another one of mine is the fact that we don't have to wear hats anymore, women. Yeah. So I'm not, so the quotables was one of my positive reheatables. There were a lot of good quotes. There mm-hmm. were so many. I liked the ladies' chihuahua. Yeah. Oh, run all over the desk. And then, just so you think I don't think I'm lying, I wrote Paul as one of my yeah it's there i knew i i knew we'd convert you and i think that's all my um positive. those are good those, those were all good. excellent my so my first one right off the bat was the titles the graphics the yeah, title cards I really like them, but then I didn't think, like, at the beginning, I was like, they really captured me, and I thought, like, oh, is this, like, going to be a film noir? But then I thought that they, while I really liked them, I didn't think that they meshed so well with the score going with them. I was like, these graphics are really kind of film noir, kind of dark to me, and then this score is really kind of a little bit peppy and, like, kind of... Not quite, but almost pillow talk level of zippy. All right. So I did. But then I was like, it is an interesting juxtaposition. So I ended up putting it on my goods, even though like the titles, I I was like, yeah. And it didn't say anything about Saul Bass, but I definitely felt Saul Bass influence. Oh, an influence. Okay. Okay. Um, 
the good reheatable is just right off the bat when they showed Paul Newman, he's in that what is it called? An A frame shirt. Formerly known as a wife beater. You can't say that anymore, but my God, that guy it's just and that was before men like in the gym working out to get the abs he's I just mean, had it he had it i mean i don't want to like it's kind of creepy going from paul newman but like my brother was one of those guys that just you know yeah. he, he was just fit he was just like he got to a certain age he just always had a six-pack and you're just like how you don't do anything i'm doing he a thousand do crunches a night a thousand just doing crunch after crunch and you do nothing conversation every week you don't do anything anything and i go to the gym and sometimes run at the same time and ride my bike 12 miles a day and i look the same as you how this is why you're my sister teeny because it's been my life for 36 years just, I remember Aaron and Adam in the bathtub and Aaron saying, mommy, something's wrong with Adam's butt. There are dents in it. Yeah, he has dents in his butt. <laughs> Honey, we're all supposed to have those dents, but we don't. Yeah. And, yeah. and I was like under three. I was like three, three, it four. Was, like it I was just a little unfair. kid. But it was just like, ooh, this kid. And, it, and then his cutest phase was when he had his belly and that disappeared like that into a six pack. Like one night he had this nice belly where he, he looked like this is it's uncomfortable, but he looked like those starving children. Yeah, like that bloated yeah. belly. And then the, the next opera. day he had a six pack and he was just like, this is unfair. But anyway, OK, fine. Yeah, fine. <laughs> We're over it. Yeah, whatever. My other good reheatable is his mom about the connections. That was how my dad was with connections, you know. That's true. And your dad, never your mom. Oh, well, no, Rashida Jones, that was you. But Other than that, other than that. Like, they're right. You were right. But it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, but these people, I don't know if I want to be around them. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Like, you know, yeah, I, I know what you're saying, but do I really want to spend time with Bill Cosby, you knew before you knew. Yeah, it's, it's just one of these things where you just kind of, not everybody, but you just kind of see, like, my whole goal is mentally happy, to be happy, and you see a lot of people, and they're not. It's like, I don't know if I want to attract exactly. these kind of people into my life, so. Exactly. Um. Okay, Rittenhouse Square, when they mentioned that, oh my gosh, that was, took me back to college, because I will walk through Rittenhouse Square on my way to Riverside Theaters because that was where the movie theater was and nobody had a car. We would have to take the train, the you know, the subway and walk a whole bunch. And so we walked through Rittenhouse Square so many times. Granted, this is well, almost 20 years has passed. Yeah, but, almost 20 years. But, oh, my God. It was still in Center City, like where the rich people lived, and it was nice. And you would walk through there, and and and, and another good reheatable for me is just Philadelphia, and yeah. I miss it. Maybe one day I'll get to go see it again. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. I had a dream about Philadelphia. Like I went back to Drexel, and it was, and I was like with this group of like way younger people, and I was like 
the Drexel shaft used to be there and they were like how old are you yeah <laughs> I was like I'm really old and like I was asking like all these buildings and I had no idea what the campus was because everything's <laughs> been different and stuff and I'm just like I'm so old but this what I still love it it just has such a yeah. place in my heart yeah best years of your life yeah it was so it was such a fun city to go to college in it was so it was like big city but yet small city and so much cool stuff so much history you could walk that whole city you, you would just that whole i city. did i walked the whole city you would just be like oh yeah that's where the liberty bell is oh yeah that's where they like did constitution stuff like it's just there oh and... yeah that's where adam ran the pen relays yeah you're just yeah that's crazy um okay so Stearns and how so Stearns was the guy that no Stearns Ship and Stearns was the uh, patriarch of the Chet family and stuff and when they said because at the end there's a court thing and they're like yes yeah, Stearns was drinking scotch and I busted out laughing so I was like yeah that motherfucker would drink scotch I've mm -hmm. mentioned it before on this podcast I got a bottle of scotch I drank it it was work. I put in the work. <laughs> I have judgment now on anyone who that's their drink. I mean, look. Yeah. That always happens on Young and the Restless. It's like they always, they all have like scotch in a decanter and yes. then they pour it. And you can tell it's disgusting because nobody ever drinks it. It's like they pour it, you come over and they're like, here, let me get you some scotch. And then they just, they take one sip and leave. The yeah. Whole Cause that shit is, it's like I, rubbing that's alcohol. My, that's my, one of my positive reheatables is that scene with, I loved that with the, um, when he was like, oh, that's how you could tell. Like you could tell that he was drinking that. Yes. Yeah. Taste or like smell all the other things, and he drank. It was a difference between the the good scotch and the cheap rye, which is whiskey, and that he could smell it. And then Paul Newman does this whole thing, which involves spoiler alert gin that I love. And I checked off all those things because, and and he even mentioned it with scotch, how he's like, oh yeah, and you could taste the peat moss, and I'm like, exactly, like scotch to me. No disrespect if it's what you love, but it says a it says a lot about you, just so you know, to me. It says that you like difficult things. Oh, that's true. Mm -hmm. Because it has you're this, rich. Yeah, you're rich you embrace and you and you difficult Yeah, like like the, oh, this is what you drink to unwind because this tastes like peat a chimney moss? in my mouth. Yeah. yeah. And when you did like yeah. the peat moss and stuff, I was like, okay. Oh, all right. Peat moss it is decaying shit. Decaying shit is peat moss. Well, decaying so shit is alcohol. <laughs> like that's all of it. But specifically, like the woody peat moss of it's mm -hmm. it's like you took alcohol, threw it in a fireplace, and then like rub, like scraped it back in, and it was like, here, drink it. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, all right. You know, I, I've had a lot of different liquors because my my friends who don't drink, if they get gifted alcohol, they give it to me. I drink it. So, but my girl. scotch, I was just like, all right, I, I see I you. I some friends who don't drink. Yeah, it's, it's nice. It's nice. Yeah, she does. That's how I found out about Liquor 43, which is a... Oh, I forget who it is. It, it might be Spanish... It's it's something, and I'm like, oh, that's nice. Ah. Yeah. Okay, are those all your positives? No. Um, <laughs> props, one more. 
I haven't had anything to eat. I got gin and stomach. And two drinks, so yeah. let's go with it. My, you know what? It could be. It could go in either or. It could break either way. I put it on the positive reheatable because, in the same way of like, I was always a fan of Cobra Commander. Just sometimes, like when you see evil genius, you have to tip yeah, your cap. You acknowledge it. You acknowledge okay. game. I acknowledge your game. That would be Joan's dad. Because he knew exactly, he knew his daughter enough to know, I only have to give him this. And it like covered his whole basis that he knew that Paul Newman was going to take it because he was sensible and smart. And he knew that the daughter was going to take it a different way if he presented it that way. And that was just going to be that. And he would get what he wanted and there wouldn't be a whole bunch of blowback. He would, it wouldn't be on him. Yeah. It would be her decision. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And it would be a thing of like, I, this is, I presented it to him. This is who he is. And she, you know, so I was like, damn, rich people. It's, it's I'm almost, thinker. it's, it's almost like you have to be a devious to be rich. I don't know. It's crazy. Well, then you should be rich. I choose sadly. And the positive reheatable is the fact that Paul learned that lesson and then became devious. I know, but see, I learned the lesson and I was like, I want Wait. to look at myself in the mirror and like myself and that's why I'm poor. <laughs> and that's what happens. I, because I had a positive reheatable, but I didn't write it down. So I have it somewhere of how he was able to let the wife down easy with her thinking it's her decision not to pursue a relationship with him. Yeah. Whereas he pulled all the strings to that. But so. my only pushback with that is he was putting a whole lot of faith in her and her materialism. And, 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 you know, like he was doing the homework and stuff because at the end of the day, it is Paul Newman. And it's That's not, and also it's not like he, you know, this isn't, it's not like we recast Paul Newman with Paul Robeson and it's in the same era of time. Like he's still Paul Newman, looks like Paul Newman and a lawyer. Like he's got lawyer prospects. So I was just like, yeah, yeah. Is your life going to be that much worse? But I guess that's how rich that guy was, where she was just yeah, like... Yeah, because she still had her country home. Man. Okay, we are two quotables. I did several um, throughout the first hour that came up. I have a few more that I did for the second hour and 16 minutes. Uh, Paul says to his secretary, I just took a plunge and I don't know if there's any water in the pool. That's, that's, a, that's a neck accident there. That's paralysis. And who says, well, prop him up again. Somebody was drunk and they needed him to do something and they go, well, prop him up again. I don't know. That just sounds like our family. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I loved Billy Burke <laughs> saying this. Let's not have any more arguments. It's so bad for the digestion. 
Why is it that arguments always happen at the dinner table? Because everybody is there. Is at the dinner and yeah. they can't walk away. Exactly. And then when Joan says to Paul Newman, you can't help what you've become. Um, I put... I think when the sister they were waiting outside of the wedding and the guy was like, you can't, you can make yourself a millionaire, but you still can't open the right doors. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the car accident was happening and that lady that was like, I have some ice cream in this car and I want to get home before. <laughs> and then I don't know who said this or when, but I wrote down, you better come now before you get plastered. <laughs> oh, that was for uh, Robert Vaughn, I'm sure. Um. Oh, yeah. When they were at that party and yeah. they were like getting their shots or their doubles and singles of drinks, and he wanted him to talk to somebody. Okay. Numbers confuse me. I don't know who said that. That's me, though. I wrote it down. Um. Then I wrote. I can't. Oh. Um. Maybe I'll save that for my MVP. Um, and then elderly elderly ladies have a phobia about taxes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just liked the final line of the movie was, I'd like a hamburger. Yes. Because oh, she was a chilly girl. And she, she was like, a I'm a chilly, chilly girl. And she I'd went, I'd like a hamburger. Yeah, I'm going to go for the hamburger now. I have minor... From his dad when he was in the white tuxedo, and he's like, You attend the bar? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I thought that was funny. Um, and then, oh, when Chet, when Chet was, and they were in Korea and he was laid up, and they said like something about his arm, and it was like, It went its way, I went mine. <laughs> And because I just finished reading Killer Angels, which is about the Battle of Gettysburg, and there are so many amputees and everything. Oh so I was just yeah. like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. And then also when he was like, it's my drinking arm. And I was like, that's why you got to be ambidextrous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Practice with that left, baby. Yeah. I mean, my left is my drinking arm because of this podcast. So I'm like, well, you can take you the right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For the rest of the podcast. True. I even um sometime during the summer it was uh left-handed like person appreciation day and my old boss sent me a text message about it and I was like thank you. I'm like you know as someone who dabbles in drumming I really appreciate it cuz I'm right-handed and you think I'm left-handed cuz at work I I have my mouse on the left side and and so everyone at work thinks I'm left-handed. And I'm like, no, thank. I'm really right-handed, but I know why you I say that. My girl. So, any arm you take, I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Oh yeah, he was like, yeah, the plunge thing. Um. Oh, and then at the beginning when she had the car accident, <clears throat> she said. How do you want to handle this, pleasant or unpleasant? 
And then the truck driver made a thing like, whoa, were you late for tea? And she was like, all right, unpleasant then. I was like, oh, yeah. It reminded me of a pillow talk with the, you want an answer or an argument? Yeah. That's like every conversation, every can I talk to a manager conversation. Like whenever I hear, hey, can I have a manager come over here? This person wants to talk to manager. I wish I could just say, how do you want to handle this? Pleasant yeah, or unpleasant? Exactly. Uh, what, exactly. What do you want to do? Where are you at? I'll buy their first sentences. Okay, unpleasant. All right. Okay. <laughs> so it's going to be like this, huh? And then in your mind, you're just pouring the wine later. <laughs> Um, and then they I already said I was a very well educated, I was very well educated to be an idiot because, and then I was just like, that's really sad because that's what women who are rich, you're in just, the 50s, yeah, sixties, yeah. you gotta, you gotta just, just look even. pretty and who cares what you think and just deal. And then, you know, pills come along and all that stuff. Then Valium comes along. I yeah. remember working at Frisch's through college in the summers and the the wait staff there would always say, "You're just going to college to meet a husband." And I went to college and I met my husband, but I did use my college degree. I did. Yeah. But jokes on you! I married a black man, so ha ha ha. <laughs> so where do you put that? <laughs> I don't fit into your boxes. Ha. <laughs> um, and then finally, this one made me laugh so hard. It was early on when they when. Um, the first time that Paul Newman, he's, you know, his bartender outfit, but not really. And what's her, Joan comes in and he's like, oh, this, and they, you know, cause they remember each other and a song comes on and he's like, you want to dance? And she goes, Joan goes over and says, you don't mind, do you Carter? And that made me laugh so hard. Cause it's Paul Newman's asking my girlfriend out. Yeah. And, and she's asking I me if do. I don't mind. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, go ahead. Go with that. And also, I didn't say it, but it was a good reheatable. This was a black and white movie. But there's a lot of on Paul Newman's eyes. And you can just see, like, those things must be fucking so blue. If the black and white film is like, that's what they look like in black exactly. and white. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Before contact lenses or tinting and that kind of shit, those were actually. His. Hey, you could see that like, you saw the outside and then you, the, the, it was just like kind of almost like his whiteness and then the pupil. And so you're like, that has to be incredibly blue. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay, LVPs. Okay. My LVPs are interfering parents. I know a lot about this, and so I speak from my truth. Interfering parents, LVP, least valuable players. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm going to um, say. I... I'm going to say the length of the movie for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It was a long movie. It was. I have two honorable mention goes to Carter because he lets his girlfriend who's yeah, going to be the fiance. And then yeah. and then he follows her and gets married and he's like, I won. And then he goes and gets killed in Korea. And I'm yeah. just like, oh, Carter. Yeah. But really, the true LVP of this film 
is Chet's right arm. Oh, poor guy. Because not only in the context of the movie, how he lost it, but also in how they were, like, it's 1959, and you're like, why didn't you put it behind him? It was always there. You always knew, like, how he was sitting and everything. You're you're just like, he's just hiding it. Put his shoulder is you. not this much bigger than this shoulder. Yeah, really? Just like tape it behind him. Why are you putting it in front of him? Go behind. Yeah, yeah it's true. So, spoiler alert, Robert Vaughn didn't lose his arm for this movie. <laughs> okay, so MVPs, I have an honorable mention. Okay. Oh. Let me guess. Billy Burke. Oh. Billy Burke is my honorable mention. I thought she was just charming. Yeah, as like soon her. as I heard, heard her say her first word, I knew she was Glinda. I didn't. I Well, I did the the particular. Usually I do the particulars after I watch the movie. But because of the schedule, I did it before I watched the movie. And yeah, it wasn't until I like she said a couple of lines. Where I was like, oh, that's Glinda the Good Witch. Yeah, it didn't register yeah. with me. But she was so adorable. She was great. And of course... My MVP, Tini already called it, Paul Newman. I mean, come on. My MVP, I don't know her name, but it's Carlos's mom, the old lady with the chihuahua. That that's Glenda the Good Witch, the Jane. Yeah, that's Billy Burke. Oh, that's Billy Burke. That's yes. Really well, I just liked her character. I know. Her quotable when she said, I can't understand how people can be so callous about animals. It's a good thing we have the SPCA to look after dogs and things. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. $5,000 a year to the SPCA in cash because how else would you? Yes. Yes. And I'm like, I don't hate on her for trying to get her extra $200,000 a year. I don't know. If she can give it to the ASPCA. Yeah, I just don't like the precedence it sets. It's just tough because she could afford it, but I was just like, it, it is a wash. It's like, eh. but I yeah. did love Let's how her own money. <laughs> yeah, and I loved how she, the dog, like be, he was like, who is this woman? And you know, the dog's just around, and he's just, and then as soon as he finds out who it is, he's just picking up the dog <laughs> and loving the dog. <laughs> You can shit all over me. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> it's just funny how money made that do- like to him. Made and you know what? Even to me, I'm not a big. I'm not a big chihuahua. Like I love animals and stuff, but there is a hierarchy, and chihuahuas aren't necessarily my favorite. But when I found out how much like the J that lady was worth, I was like, that is a damn cute dog. Like, it, it worked on me too. It's like oh, exactly. Wow, he's so cute. Okay, we are to recasting. Well, we, we skipped over my reheatable, but it, my reheat. I wrote MVP. I just wrote. I mean, come on. It's Paul Newman. Paul Newman. Okay, I did. I did one cast. I did one cast as well. Okay. I oh, did. actually, I did two casts. Uh, not guess who did zero casts. Oh, well, that's okay. Yeah. We 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 know that. I did Tony Joan Chet, the mom, the Miss, oh, Mrs., oh, the Billy Burke one. All right. And the mom. So the mom, I did Felicia Rashad. 
Oh, that's a good one. Billy Burke, you know, because she had to be charming and sweet. And uh, I just came up with a Billy Burke off the dome. Loretta Devine. That's good. I know. My Chet, you know, the drunk Donald Glover. Okay. That, that's, a, that's a good one. My Joan, Lupita Nuengo, Nuango. Wow, Sorry, that's really that. good. Now, my Tony, everyone is expecting it to be Michael B. Jordan because yeah. usually when yeah. it's Paul Newman, I do Michael B. But I decided to go out on a limb. I did Lorenz Tate. That's good. You you know Lorenz Tate is like 50. But really got a charming, you know, yeah, black don't yeah, crack. Yeah. Charming face, great smile. So the, that's my re, that's my recasting. I like it. I like it. All right, I did two casts. One is just like the first two, um, because last week you know we were doing Emperor, Emperor Jones. Jones. I was like, oh yeah, it's uh, like I kept saying Marlon Brando, but kind of if you look at a lot of Paul Newman's parts, a lot of Paul Newman's parts kind of reminded me of the Emperor Jones part. And so for this, just right off the bat, I was like, well, what if you just replace Paul Newman in this and Joan in this with Paul Robeson and Freddie Washington? Oh, okay. And just how much it still could work. Because right. he's, he, you know, obviously he's Paul Newman and he's white, but if you just throw in, it, it's just like, oh, he, you know, he's an outside, but he is. In, yeah, it's still classes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, oh, you could still, that would be interesting. And wouldn't that have been great to have been able to see that? So then my other cast, though, I have just right now, Billy as the J. Arthur, Arthur, whatever, rich, super rich lady, Cecily Tyson. I thought of I her, mean, too. Just, yeah. Boom. And then as my Chet... Because I was I was thinking of now, like current, right now, Hollywood. Right now. I was like, you know what? I think he might be a pretty good Chet. Jaden Smith. Hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Possibility. And then as my Joan, I picked Janelle Monet. I love Janelle Monet. Because everybody loves Janelle Monet. Yeah. And then as my Tony. This, this man is my new favorite. Jonathan Majors. From the Five Bloods and currently HBO's Lovecraft Country. Jonathan Majors. Gotta Jonathan, look that up. In the Five Bloods, he was the son. He was Delroy Lindo's son. They went to um the, the school that everybody... Morehouse. Oh. Remember? And he stepped on the mine. Okay. You know what? No one else is watching Lovecraft Country. It's crazy. Yeah, it's so good. It's really- it has it has some sci-fi to it. It. I don't like sci-fi, but I, I'm I'm just in on it because I'm like, this is bonkers. Oh, okay, okay, I'm seeing Uh-oh. you now. Okay. <laughs> so the, that that's my cat. I think he's fantastic. I just he's he's great. We are two tasty nuggets. <clears throat> I knew Billy Burke was Glinda the first word she spoke. What 
that voice. Oh, you didn't even have to see it? You just no. were like, that's Glenda the Good Witch? I knew wow. it was Glenda the Good Witch. That's good. That's good. So the mom, Paul Newman's mom, was six years younger than Paul Newman when this was filmed. Yeah, Diane Brewster. Wow. Yeah. And she spent two hours every day in makeup to age her as it progressed. I'll bet. Yeah. And I'll bet she was going, damn, I don't even get to kiss this motherfucker. Okay. (laughs) But, Uh, But wait, like, let's not... Like, all due respect to the queen. So we can't, like, we're all drooling over Paul Newman and stuff. But his wife, Joanne Woodward, the queen. Remember, we did the three faces of Eve, and we were like, we can't hate on her. She's awesome. We can't. So we can't. no disrespect, the queen. I don't know if Teeny ever heard my story about Paul Newman that I read probably on Facebook, but I don't know if it's true or not. But this. Okay, so they lived in Connecticut mm-hmm. when they were. They live in Connecticut. Well, yeah, because Paul Newman didn't like the Hollywood. He liked to escape from Hollywood. Right. Okay, and so he would go where in their hometown to the ice cream shop like every day, and he would just sit there and eat his little ice cream. A woman came in and ordered her ice cream and ordered it for her child, and. Uh, Paul Newman was sitting there eating his ice cream and she left, you know, ordered, paid. And and when she got outside, it was like, where's where's my ice cream? I mean, I know I paid for it, but so she goes back in and Paul goes, you put it in your purse. <laughs> because Paul Newman is sitting there. What do you do with your ice cream? You gotta be cool. All she says, be cool, be cool, be cool. Just be cool. Be cool. She put it in her purse. (laughs) Which is totally what I would do. Yep. Oh my God. Okay. The sniff test for the trial, because this this movie goes through not just the society stuff, not just korean war but then a trial there's a murder a murder trial trial. and the biggest thing on the murder trial is the sniff test of the wait staff and that was based on a real court case the sniff test which that just sounds like like that's the the beach with the bushes doing the taste like yeah i can taste the difference between tangeray and hendrix rack them up line them up yeah. <laughs> line them up but okay so i already tasted this one and so that's influencing this one okay um the church where in the very beginning where they were married was a um a church in the san fernando valley yeah I was and like, the that's... 1971 earthquake destroyed that church i looked at the church and i was like that i do not remember that from rittenhouse square that does yeah. not look like rittenhouse square to me that's strong southern california like backlot uh, okay. vibes okay because okay. uh, i'm going i don't remember a philadelphia earthquake okay uh, Robert Vaughn got an Oscar nomination. His only Oscar nomination was for this because he did. He had to. He was pretty um, good. Yeah, he was very good. Uh, the property tax where Paul Newman then got Billy Burke's 
gazillion dollars for his law firm that they found that his property tax thing that he stated on corporations in 1998, that was ruled unconstitutional. Mm. Yeah, because the government needs to get it. Needs to get the money. Okay, so Brian Keith, who was Paul Newman's father in this, was four years older than Paul Newman. (laughs) I mean, look at Brian Keith and Paul Newman. I'm just saying, black don't crack, but Paul Newman... Oh, yeah. But also, they did a pretty good job with their makeup. Paul Newman didn't crack neither. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the court case hinged on gin. It did. You know, my drink of choice. And in 1973, The Sting, Paul Newman says to Robert Redford, Always drink gin with a mark, kid. They can't tell if you cut it. And gin is what this whole movie hinged on. And so that was kind of cool. Natalie Wood, Warner Brothers put Natalie Wood on suspension for refusing to do this role. Which role was she going to do? Was she going to be the Um, Barbara? Like the I'm sure she was going to be Joan. They put her on suspension for that? Yes, because she refused to do the role. I wonder why she refused to do it. Well, you know, she had just allegedly been assaulted by a pretty prominent Hollywood figure who recently died within these years. You can piece together what I'm saying. It's on the internet, and I was shocked. (laughs) Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Don't sue us because we got nothing. Okay, other tasty nuggets. I have one and it has nothing to do with the movie. (gasps) I was texting Blair and Rory, you know, Blair and Rory and I were texting about what what you're doing today, whatever. And Rory said, oh, what's the movie? And I said, it's this. I've never seen a Paul Newman movie. Does does Rory listen? I'm not sure. They all listen to the Hamilton one. Oh, well, if she does. Hi, Rory. You know, her husband is like really into... He majored in like black exploitation films. Oh, he's going to be hit up. He's definitely being hit up in February. Yeah. Just to let him know. And so, okay, so I said, they said, if I don't think Paul Newman is dreamy enough, I get kicked off the podcast. (laughs) That's a big deal. And she said, honestly, I've never watched a movie with him and only have had the salad dressings, which are some of my favorite. Mm -hmm. So that led me to research the Paul Newman salad dressings, which there I don't you have go. you guys talked about this on the podcast before? We have not. Well I well. kinda I only mentioned Newman's own because there I got the Peter Butter cups and some of the dressing because I just saw his face and I had to buy it. It's weird. Well so yeah he would go out to dinner and order like every time they went into a fancy restaurant he would ask for olive oil, vinegar, mustard and fresh black pepper. And then he would mix it up to make his own salad dressing. And then he would like give it to everyone else that he was like eating with. And um, so, you know, people would always be like, oh my God, you should like market this stuff. And he was right. like, whatever. Um, 
And so one day in his basement, they decided to whip up a huge batch of it and they stirred it up in a big vat with a canoe paddle and they poured <laughs> it in their wine bottles and gave them to his friends as like as gifts. And so it became like a tradition for him and his friends. And it wasn't until he saw the bottles of dressing being sold as a hot item in a local grocery store. And I think it was like his bottles that he decided he was onto something. So he made Newman's own. But he had two rules for a salad dressing that his face would go on every bottle to attract all the ladies. <laughs> well done. And not all the proceeds would go to charity. Exactly. Yeah, what's the... I didn't know that. Yeah, he has this camp. It's, it's like a hole yeah. in the wall gang. Because a hole in the wall gang yeah. is a group of 11 free camps for children with cancer and other life-threatening diseases in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, and his motto was shameless exploitation in pursuit of the common good. Yes. And so they grew, the whole in the wall gang was servicing, grew to service over 15,000 kids each year. And he got a special Oscar in 1993 for his humanitarian efforts and refused to ever be acknowledged for his charity work again. And then a few years later, he made his vow official by burning his Oscar tuxedo in a bonfire in his front yard. <laughs> yes. That yes. sounds like Paul, our Paul. Yeah, this made me like him more. Newman's and then Newman's own donates its proceeds to several other cha- carefully chosen charities now. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they have a food empire with spaghetti sauces. Yeah, to I this day. That. Like you Chocolate see that. Candy, mint, steak sauces, popcorn, salsa, cereal, and pizza. And yes. be- yeah, and, and before he- 23 flavors of salad dressing. Yes. And before, and before he before he died, he would make it like he had to taste everything. And be oh, like, he also makes yeah. um, Newman's own market, also markets dog food. So I wonder if he tasted that. Oh, wow. I don't know. But I just, I just believe in Paul. In Paul, I trust. Yeah. I mean, Paul and Joanne. Paul and Joanne. Yes. Be, yeah. Jo- no disrespect to the queen, Joanne. Um, But again, my favorite Paul Newman is March on Washington, Paul Newman. I mean, I sent a picture this week. And I was like, my God, you couldn't even see his eyes, but look at him. And he gave me goosebumps just talking about it. Not even seeing it gives me goosebumps. Yeah, I'm like, he, like, this was in the 60s, and he was like, I'm about, I'm about it, about it, that life. Well, I'm just like, ah, thank goodness. Thank goodness I could drool yeah. with Paul Newman and not feel like, oh, he was weird about black people. Exactly. No. Uh-uh. So yeah. much of this podcast is, I like this film. They were kind of weird, though, to black people. But no, that's why Paul Newman, every September. Paul Newman Appreciation Month. Paul Newman Appreciation Month. Not because it's his birth month, which his birthday is the same as mine. January. It gets, January could get, we're going to, we're going to retcon this whole thing. January gets lost in the shuffle. That's why we put it in September. So that we could all like focus and appreciate on the greatness that is Paul Newman. Is it time for my tasty nuggets? It is. Okay. Unless Teeny has more. Do you have more? My only one. Just that. that was a really good one. Paul Newman's own man. The author of the book, The Philadelphians, Richard Powell. Oh, you already said that about how it was a real court case. Also, the book spanned three generations, and this one only focused on the last generation. But they Can you alluded, imagine how long that movie would be? Oh my gosh. 
Because <laughs> that's part of why this movie is so long. You could tell that it was a literary adaptation. Yeah. And even though, like, they felt confident. They were like, guys, like, we took a three-generation book. Like, yeah. we did a great job. And it, it does make sense. And it does tie in the previous generations but there's just so much when you're when i'm watching i'm like they would have cut that they would have cut that they would have cut that um let's see okay 1959 most film music was released but Ernest gold score it was never released and it has yet to surface on any digital formats um like you said, Robert Vaughn was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He lost to Hugh Griffin from Ben-Hur. Mm. And this was also nominated for Best Direct Cinematography, Black and White, and Best Costume Design. Um, in Britain, it was called The City Jungle because Philadelphia was apparently too obscure a name for Britain. Really? Yeah. It's like wow okay and you know what it's so like spending that's that's one of the reasons why i fucking love philadelphia i went on a cheesesteak run to booze philly cheesesteak i got two cheesesteaks in the refrigerator i'm very pumped about this and it, it is only now that it's hitting me like wow you went to get philly cheesesteaks when you watch the young philadelphian this yeah. is crazy all I would need now is a Hank soda. I didn't go and get one because I haven't had soda since this whole quarantine thing started. But my mind is blown right now. I'm just like, wow, Aaron, you like, you did That's it. That's freaky. That is super That's freaky. freaky. Um, I lost, I lost track of what I was gonna say because of Hendrix. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, because I went to get the cheesesteaks and. Yeah, Philadelphia, brotherly love. All right. Well, anyway, Paul Newman, it was going to be a banger. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry you missed it. <laughs> so when when uh, Robert Vaughn was doing the screen test, this was his first screen test that he was going to do. And I guess, they, you know, actors and stuff, they hang out. And Paul Newman heard about it. And I don't know how close of friends they were, but this is just the kind of guy that Paul Newman is. And this is why it's Paul Newman Appreciation Month. He heard that Robert Vaughn was going to do his first screen test for a film ever, and he showed up to do the screen test with him. Oh, and wow. Jack Warner, who is like, you know, Warner, one of the Warner brothers, saw that Paul Newman came to do the screen test with Robert Vaughn, and he was so impressed. He was like, wow, the star of my film is, is doing the screen test with this guy. He must be good. And, and I saw, like, a YouTube, like, years later, Robert Vaughn telling the story. He was like, yeah, Paul Newman came in. I don't know how he found out about it, but he did He did my, the first screen test with me. And I don't, I don't know, Jack Warner was there, and I got the part, and I ended up getting nominated for an Academy Award on my first film. Wow. So I was just like, ah, man, Paul Newman. Paul Newman! Just, just what a guy. What a guy. I have one more tasty nugget that I forgot about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I watched that same clip. Oh, it did come and, up first. Yeah, it did. And then the next thing I saw was a clip with Barbara Rush. And she was talking about um, 
the movie and she was like i don't know like for some reason this is just like the movie that like turner classic movies and what's that other show the other channel that does all the old movies amc amc like she was like this is the one that's like every time i turn it on it's on like every time i go on cruises they want to watch this movie i'm like okay she goes on all the cruises <laughs> and then i just thought this was funny that she was like this was filmed like in 2013 or something and she was like I must get 20 letters a month still about that movie. And I was like, people in 2015 or 13 or whatever, oh, you're right. Really? Dear Barbara. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know it existed till I looked up Paul Newman movies and I'd never um, heard of it even. My, yeah, so, my fear was that he was just in it, but like in a supporting cast. Right, and it wasn't really right. him. And I was like, oh, no, this is, I mean, this is why he was a movie, like, it's not a it's a flawed movie, but just to watch and you're just like, man, that guy's got it. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, that is the Young Philadelphians. And next week, I don't even know who's is it Christine? It's me. And her head is in her hand. You don't have to have a pump. Yeah, you don't it. have to. Here's the problem. Is that now you guys are making me feel like no. I need to change it? No, you, no, don't. you, you don't. don't. You don't. Not at don't. all. Because remember when I said, you're never going to guess it. You're yeah. never going to guess this movie. So then I went back and forth because then I, I actually did my homework ahead of time, picked out my movie. And then I was like, well, then should we just do Black Panther? And then I was like, no, like, no, like. It's whatever know. you want to do because we've go done with so your, many. Go with your gut. Whatever yeah. your gut tells you. Well, I was watching an episode of Hot Ones where they interviewed Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And I did not know that he is really big into, like, the French language and, like, just, like, the French way of living. And so he was like, oh, like, if you, you know, like, he went to France to live for a while, I think, and, like, he was like, oh, if you ever want to, like, you know, impress your friends with a French movie. They were like, he's really big into, like, French film. He's a Francophile. Like, yes, he, that's the word. So he recommended a French film. Excellent. By the name of Alphaville. Alphaville. I don't think I've seen it. Oh, you guys are going to hate it. Not necessarily. You just talked about how much you both hate science fiction, and apparently it's science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know that. And it's okay. Nothing. That's why we have That's you. That's why we bring you here. It's French with subtitles. It's from the year 1965. It's Ooh. only 100 minutes long, and it's got a 91% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. And um, it's also like, it says it's by no means a conventional sci-fi film. Jean-Luc Godard creates Wait. a witty, noirish future all his own. Yeah, this is 1965, you said? Yeah, about a French, um, a he the hero comes to Alphaville, the capital of a totalitarian state in order to destroy its leader, an almost human computer called Alpha 60. 
I don't know what this is about. I mean, that's what it's about. You had me as Jean-Luc Like, do you know how famous Jean-Luc Godard? Yeah. Jean-Luc Godard is like... He is like the shit in like cinema, like cinema <laughs> nerds. He's like, oh, Jean Luc Godard, yeah. Like, well, he, excellent. I've been, I'm like, I've always been circling, you know, like I throw out the the world cinema movies every once in a while, but like, yeah, like Jean Luc Godard is, yeah, Breathless, uh, to live to live, Contempt. Like, I've seen a bunch of, not a bunch, but I've seen. Like Jean Luc Godard films, because Jerry Hooper, shout out Drexel University, was all about that. And Excellent. but yeah, I haven't seen Alphaville, so I am super pumped. I figure we can all sit through an hour and a half of some sort of sci-fi. I'm seeing charcuterie and lots of wine. Yeah. Excellent. We have wine and charcuterie for our next um, you know. But I love it. This is fantastic. This has no movie, not even Breathless, better exemplifies the syncretic quality of Godard's early genius. Excellent. This is going to be interesting. This is so beyond my scope. Yeah. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. That's why we have you. A bracing salute to American gangster picks with a jumpy European post-war uncertainty thrown in. This is hilarious. I, <laughs> I know. I am going to laugh so hard when I can't even reference the guy. Like, there's other filmmakers who I'm like, yeah, Teeny's going to be the one that picks all of the... (laughs) 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 Oh, man, that's funny. I love it. This is awesome. And then I was like, shit, they're going to be extra mad. It's not a Paul Newman film. We are not... We aren't even... We aren't even a little bit mad. No, this is... And you just all started talking about sci-fi, and then I looked, I had IMD, or my, like, Rotten Tomatoes thing pulled up, and I was like, oh, my God, sci-fi, sci-fi, sci-fi everywhere. (laughs) No, that's good. It's good, because we need to branch out, too. So I've never heard of this, and I'm really excited. Yeah, I I am excited, because I've been wanting to do another world's, like, famous you know but then i'm like oh they're just gonna be i I always feel like it's like you know i don't want it to be like homework for people but i'm like like you're coming with it and then i figured black panther is gonna be a little bit oversaturated right now there's a bunch of people doing it yeah and and it's like honestly i would just cry through the whole thing right now yeah exactly exactly I need a little I just time. I want to watch that and enjoy it, you know? Not, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, that. 21 Bridges, I saw that that's on Showtime, so I'm going to watch that. But, like, Black Panther, like, I cried throughout the first time I saw Black Panther. So yeah. then now, like, I'm like, I can't. Ah, not right. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you there you go. I didn't want to make you cry again. Yeah. Well, that that <laughs> is kind job. of your MO. <laughs> My God, I am so impressed. That is that is high film. Oh, I told you you would never guess it. Never. The teeny would pick a Jean-Luc Godard film? Like what? <laughs> I think <laughs> Blue Aaron's mind. My mind is, and it wasn't breathless. I've never heard of Jean-Luc Godard. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, what? And the the movie that I haven't seen of his, jeez. 
she has to go pick her brains up off of the yeah, floor of her apartment I now. To, oh. I have to like put my my kerchief to contain it all. <laughs> okay, listeners, next week, Alphaville. Man, we are bringing culture to y'all motherfuckers. Get ready to be cultured. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye.